theyeshiva.net. It's page 50. On top it says, Achare, Pedig Beis. Vihine klal kola teru mitzvah same gimel madregis. The klal of all teru mitzvahs. If you summarize it into klalim, into major principles, trends, you can categorize it into three trends. Yiddishkeit, all of teru mitzvahs can be categorized or divided into three. Reality, three dynamics. Shehem Torah Tfilud's There's the element of Yiddishkeit that's Torah represent that's represented by Torah. There's the element of Tfila and there's the element of Tzdaka. That's the Klal of Kola Torah Mitzvahs. The three paths, three pathways of Yiddishkeit. Essentially, it's Kidetnan. It's like the Mishnah says in Perkei Avos. Shimon Atzadik teaches in the beginning of Perik Aleph of Avos. Al Shloish Shadvarim Oilam Oimid La Torah Val Avodah Val Gmulus Chasad. He says the world stands, the universe stands on three things: Torah, Avodah Gmulus Chasad. But there he speaks about the universe stands on it. Here he says the reason the Oilam is Oimid on it because that's the Klal of Kol Atayro Mitzvus. This is the these three elements sum up. The three categories that encompass all of Yiddishkeit. And that is why the world stands on these three things. Or the other way around, it works both ways. The world stands on these three things, and therefore this is the Klal of Torah Mitzvahs. Ki. Don't get confused. It says Avoid and not Tfila. It says Avoid. What he means by Avoid is, remember, Shemunat Sadik was a Kohen God in the second base Hamikdash. So when he spoke about Avoid, what did he mean Avoid? He meant Avoid Sakarbonus. What is Avodah Sakarbonus? Chazal say, Tfilis, we say every morning on a Shalma Farim Svasenu, let our lips substitute for the bulls, for the cows. Tfilis is Bemakim, Karbonus Tiknum, Tfilis Kanagatimidin Tiknum. So the idea of the carbon is the essence of Tfilis, pre korban or post korban, but that's the Avodah. And Gemilis Chasadim is the concept of Tzadkah. Giving, generosity, whatever form of Tzadkah takes on, whether it's a loan, whether it's helping somebody. The Rambam famously says in Hilchis, in his Halachas of Tzedakah, Hilchis Matnas Aniyim, that the greatest form of Tzedakah is not helping the person who's destitute. A person who's destined to go to destitution, to lift them up, to be able to provide them with a job so that they shouldn't need Tzedakah. That's the greatest form of Tzedakah, which psychologically and emotionally also means that. There's a form of Tzedakah, somebody's in the dumps, somebody's lost, and you schlep them out. That's obvious Tzedakah, but there's a much deeper form of Tzedakah. When they're, end, when they're about to end up there, or they're going in that direction, to help them not get there. That's a much more subtle form of tzedakah because it doesn't look like you're doing it, because you're helping them get a job. Tzedakah, I'm giving the tzedakah. Here, I'm not giving the tzedakah. I'm helping the person help themselves, but that's a much deeper form of help. Helping people help themselves is a much greater help for them than helping them. Because helping them turns them into recipients. Helping them help themselves turns them into creators, co-creators in life, which is essential to human dignity. So that's why Gmilas Chasadim and Tzedakah are very interchangeable because Gmilas Chasadim is actually the greatest form of Tzedakah. You assist them, you lend them, you're helping them rehabilitate their own ability to be able to stand on their own feet. A person that fish, you feed him a day, teach him to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Right. Yes. You want to say it again? Give a person a fish, you feed him for a day. 
teach them to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. Right. Ancient Chinese problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you said it. <laughs> He's an ancient Chinese. There's an interesting halacha, and that is, when you give, it's an interesting halacha in Shulchan Aruch, in Hilchis Tzedakah. When you give a poor man tzedakah, you have to also give him a little more that he should be able to give tzedakah. <laughs> you have to give him a little more that the poor man should be able to give tzedakah. There's the minimum shurim of tzedakah, right? In the cities, the Gemara and Baba Basa, they used to have the tamchois, but the gaboy tzedakah. So you give the ani a little more money that he should be able to give tzedakah. At first glance, it seems like a mockery. Instead of giving him the money to be able to give stock, give directly the stock. It's anyway not his money, right? So what do you have to give it direct? Yeah. They say the Maizid was a Yid who borrowed money from somebody. And um, <coughs> and he didn't have, uh, and he lost the money, whatever, so he borrowed from somebody else. <coughs> I'll call upon him and Azay, he went, uh, went on and on. <laughs> Came Malvas and Loivas, and finally everybody was attacking him from all sides. So he met the people. He said, "Why don't you guys deal with each other? <laughs> Get me out of the picture. What do you need the ani? You're giving him money to give stuck to give the stuck directly. The pshat, of course, is there's a very profound idea here. Tzedakah is to be able to provide a person with his or her needs. Part of the need of a person is to be able to give. If a person doesn't have the ability to give, they lose their dignity. Even if they have all their needs, part of the need is to be a human being, to be B'Tselem Elakim. To be a human being means to be able to give. So part of tzedakah is not only giving him money so he should have food, he should have shoes, he should have where to live, etc. But also the ability to be able to feel that he can give something. Even though that itself is a gift. So that's the concept, the Maila, the Rambam explains the concept of Gilus Chasodim over Tzedakah. I'll tell you a Geshmaka Maisa that I heard from the Bala Maisa. I was once traveling on an airplane uh, to South Carolina for a lecture. So who's sitting near me? A man named uh, Joseph Talushkin. Yosef Talushkin. He's a famous author and so forth. His Zayda was a Yid named Reb Nissen Talushkin who lived in Barapak, he was a big Rav, he wrote a sefer called Taras Mayim. He was one of the big experts in America on mikvahs, that was his Zayda. His father's name was Reb Telushkin, who was an accountant. So he was telling me about his family, his father, this is many years ago, uh, during the flight. So he tells me his father was a very, his Zayda was a big Rav, his father, he said, was a hard-working man who got up every day, he was an accountant, and he did it for like 60 years. You know, one of these people who keeps the same job, doesn't look right, doesn't look left, supports his family honestly, pays taxes. Everybody knows what that word means? And uh, just lives, you know, a fine, decent, innocent life. One of his accounts, one of his accounts that he dealt with was the Secretariat of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Okay. It was one of his accounts as an accountant. He would do their accounting for them. So I hear this from him. He said it was 1985 or 1986. His father had a stroke. It was horrible. He was in the hospital. It was very serious. It was a serious stroke. He's sitting there in the hospital with his father. 
there's a call, a call in the room. He tells me, he picks up the phone, he says, hello. The man introduces himself, Rabbi Yehuda Krinsky, who was one of, who was one of the secretaries of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He says, the Rebbe, at the end of the month, would sometimes go through the bills, see what's going on. He was looking at all the bills, the Rebbe, and he calls the Rebbe Krinsky, he says, there's a discrepancy here. There's something off. So Krinsky says, okay, you know, he'll, Rebbe says, why don't you call Shleimah Talushkin and ask him. Ask him. So that's why I'm calling. So Joe Talushkin says, I tell Rebbe Krinsky, I don't understand. <laughs> the Rebbe knows that my father had a stroke. We notified right away, we asked for a bracha. He says, Rebbe Krinsky says, I know the Rebbe knows. I'm the one who told him. I'm the one who told him a few days ago. So he says, so why didn't you tell the Rebbe... The man is a stroke patient. Well, you find somebody else. He says, I wasn't going to tell that to the Rebbe. He told me to call Shlema Talushkin. I'm calling Shlema Talushkin. He says, the Rebbe forgot the other He says, I doubt he forgot. He said to ask him, why don't you ask your father? So he went over to the bed. He gave him the whole cheshboinus or whatever. He brought it over. I think it was one of the Brooklyn hospitals. Whatever, he had the cheshboinus. So he went over to his father. And he said that the Rebbe was just going through the, the account. He said there's a discrepancy here. And the Rebbe said, ask Shlema Talushkin, he'll let him figure it out. So he says, my father, I saw the light come into his eyes, and he starts looking, and he said it was a very simple issue, it wasn't a complicated issue. And he figured it out, and my father told me, he could barely speak, he had a slur, but he told me the answer, and it was resolved. He said, in the beginning, I was very, very unimpressed with the Rebbe, to go to a stroke victim, a patient, and then I realized what happened. He says, my father worked every day of his life. The emotional sense of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. For the first time in his life, he can't get up, he can't work, he can't produce anything. He would have gone into a depression if I saw it. Suddenly he felt useful. Suddenly he felt that what he's good at could be expressed, could be maximized. And then I realized at that moment the tremendous thoughtfulness and love that he had for my father to be able to think what he needs at that moment, to be able to figure out the cherit, to make him feel needed. He said it transformed the future of his father. It already gave him a new, a new lease on life. And it was so simple, he knew he'll be able to figure it out. <laughs> it was a very simple, it was a discrepancy, but it was, it was not a complicated mistake. So there are two types of tzedakah. There's tzedakah, you're needy, I make you feel needy, and I help you. There are people who are very good at that. <laughs> they have good hearts, they have good hearts, but you have to feel needy. There's a much deeper form of tzedakah, and that is, I make you feel that you don't need me. That's real, Gemilus Chesadim. Not I make you feel, I make you feel you don't even need me. I'm like, okay, I happen to be here, you know what I mean? It's about you, it's not about me. In other words, you give the person the ability to help themselves, to rehabilitate themselves. That's generally an elaboration of what the Rambam says about these concepts. So, so you have the three categories of Yiddishkeit, what he calls here, so Tfila is Karbonus and Gmilus Chesadim is Now, when you speak about these three things, and he says this is the Klal mitzvah, that's not a small statement. This is why we say, as he says elsewhere, which here there's a natural question. 
There's no three gods, there's one God. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov had different gods. They all worshipped the same God. That was the whole idea of monotheism. There's no God for India and one God for China. So you have to say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elekei Avraham, V'Yitzchak, V'Yaakov. Same Elekei. The Pshat, of course, is that the way God is one, but the way people experience Hashem, and the way people connect to Hashem must work through their own soul, through their own identity. God is absolute infinity. Avram identified, he found his path to Hashem through Chesed, through Tzedakah, through Gemilus Chesadim. Yitzchak through Avoidah, through Karbonus. Yaakov through the Kavatar. So Elekei Avram, Elekei Yitzchak, Elekei Yaakov, it was the way they discovered their own relationship with Hashem, the way they experienced Hashem in their life. And it wasn't the same. It's three experiences of a Likus, even though it's one Hashem. And they couldn't rely on the other one. Usually, when you have a father like Avram Avinu, you don't have to have your own God. You rely on your father's God. You have a Zayda and a father like Avram and Yitzchak, you see it all the time. You ask somebody, who are you? Oh, my Tata. Who are you? My Zayda, my Alta Zayda. No, 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 no. Elekei Avram, Yitzchak didn't come and say, my father already had a God, I don't need a God. It happens very often. People's fathers had a God, they don't have. Their father had, and they try to rely on it. It's like living off your father's credit cards. doesn't work that way. Elekei Avram has to be Elekei Yitzchak. Yitzchak had to have his own God. Elekei Yaakov, you can't say my Zayda and my father are inspired people. You have to find your own Elekim. So that's why you say it three times. And therefore, you have here the klal of kol of Gimel But these three things go one step deeper. Ksiv, parallel to these three things, the Pasuk says, Pasuk in Yeshaya, also quoted at the end of Pirkei So here you have an interesting thing. The beginning of Pirkei is, Al Shloy Shadvarim The end of Pirkei is, Kol Mashabarak Kodesh Baruch HaBaylam HaLebroya L'Chvoida, which he touched in Kavad Alatayna, Shanema V'Lechvoidi, Brosiv, Yitzartiv, Afasisiv. So the beginning of Pirkeyav is the end, reflect each other. Brosiv, Shehe Machshave, Dibur Maisa. Brosiv, Yitzartiv, Afasisiv is not just three synonyms, not just three adjectives to describe. I created it, I formed it, and I also made it. What's the difference? You could have just said, I created it, I made it, I formed it. No. It's three stages in the cosmos. Three stages in the developmental evolution of the cosmos. Machshava, Dibura Thought, verbal articulation, and then speech, and then action. Barasiv is Prinas Machshava. Why? Shibchinas Briya Yeshmeyaya. Machshava is the initial glimmer of consciousness. Yeshmeyayin, it's not a development. Dibur takes the Machshava and gives it concrete form. You have a thought, and then you think how to say it, how to write it, how to communicate it. Dibur has to follow Machshava. Dibur is the tsura of the Machshava. So Machshava is the Bria, it's like the creation, the Yeshmeyayim. And that corresponds to which aspect of Yiddishkeit? Tfila. Why? The Gemara says in Mesech Tatainus, Which is the Avoid in the heart? Zutfila. All of Tfila is about Machshava. 
That's the primary raison d'etre of tefillah. It's about a mindset. It's mindfulness. It's thought. It's ru'usa deliba, which means the desire of the heart. as Allah's Chazal famously say, tefillah belay kavana, kikuv belay neshama. Tefillah without mindfulness is a body that's lifeless. You can have a corpse. Everything is there. But there's nothing there. It's dead. I. what do you mean? What about dibur at tefillah? There's a mitzvah that tefillah should be bedibur. MS, he says, The function of verbal articulation of tefillah is only because the voice, the sound, resonates and triggers a mindful state. But the essence of tefillah is not dibur. The essence of tefillah is not words. The essence of tefillah is kavana. That's the relationship to karbonus. Why? The Zoyar says the main avoid of Karbonus was the Kavona of the Kayana. We don't look at it that way. We look at the Karbonus, you know what it looked like? You ever went to Ashlachtois? Right? There's not a lot of Kavona over there. Not a lot of mindfulness there. Yeah? But he says that it says in Zoyar was totally only Kayanim could do it. It was all about Uvda Berusadl, the avoid was the Ratsan Allah. That's why you see a Peladika thing with Karbonus. The thought of the Kayan makes it or breaks it. It's Plamad Mazach. Pigle. What's the pigle? A Kayan is, is with a vessel and he's accepting the blood. Or he's walking to the Mizbeach or he's sprinkling the blood. And he has a thought. What's the thought? The thought is, you know, this is going to be a good rib steak. And we're having a barbecue for my mother's 70th birthday. Not tonight, but tomorrow night. I think I'm going to save a piece of the rib steak. For the barbecue. The only problem is it's tomorrow night, and tomorrow night is already after the Zman. The whole carbon is possible. It's all over. It's disqualified. But that's why. Because the whole union of carbon is. It's about elevating the animal soul, and that's, that requires a lot of kavan. So that's why the whole union of Dibur is called Kavan. Now, here he's saying it in the Isis. Of Teres Hanister, of Teres Achsidus. It's interesting that this is reflected almost verbatim in the world of Halach, in the world of Nigla. One of the most classic works on the Rambam is Chidushi Rabbeinu Chaim Halevi Ala Rambam, which are the Chidushim of Reb Chaim Soloveitchik, Reb Chaim Brisk, Reb Chaim of Brisk, Reb Chaim Brisker. So his, the opening of the Sefer, his first shtickle is on Rambam Hilchis Yisaydi Atayra. His second shtickle, I believe, is on Rambam Hilchis Tefillah. And he asks there a major question on the Rambam. In Rambam, there's two halachas in Hilchis Tefillah. I think one is Perik Dal, one is Perik Yud. The Rambam says that there are things that are ma'akiv tefillah. Without them, it's not tefillah. One of the things the Rambam says is ma'akiv tefillah. And with, he says, ain't a tefillah. Without it, it's not tefillah. Is kavonah salev. If a person has no kavonah salev, those are his words, it's not a tefillah. As Shabchayim, the same Rambam, Hilchis Tefillah, the Rambam says a little later, that if a person is davening, Tefillah means Shemina Esther in the Rambam. A person is davening, and he doesn't have Kavana. So Birchus Avois, the first brach he has to repeat. All the other brachas, he should have Kavana. But if he didn't, it's fine. The Rambam himself said, without Kavana, Salev, ain't a Tefillah. So Reb Chaim says, Venire, the Trey Gavni Kavana, Ikebet He says, it's a brisk vart, but it's really a very spiritual vart. He says there's two types of kavon and tefillah. One is the kavon of Pirush Amilus. Slach lono avinu ki chatanu, atel das. 
Just the kavana, the words you're saying. Anybody knows what that means? We're only saying it for 45 years, right? How, how would you know what it means? Lenny, you know what pinoy svav kedoshim means? I don't know, holy angels. No. <laughs> pinoy doesn't mean holy. Okay. You could use an, you could use an English siddur. So what, the corners of his angels are holy? And the middle of the angels are not holy? Only the corners? Because the hat's the corner of the hat? Okay, stop. This is just homework. So this, 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 this pirish hamilis of davening. Kavon. Shema Yisrael Shem Olekein Hashem Echot. Right? Sim Shalom. What a moedim anachnulach. Says the Rambam, you need to have Pirish Hamilis. If you don't, you're Yaitza Davening. Besides others, you have to say again. Just like Shema, if you didn't have Kavana. There's certain Psukim, certain things, you have to have Kavana of Pirish Hamilis. He says, that's one din. The second Kavana the Rambam is talking about is not Pirish Hamilis. It's a different Kavana. What is it? It's the mindful awareness that I'm actually talking to Hashem. I'm in a conversation. I'm not even talking. It's the mindful awareness that I'm in a state where I'm standing in front of my Creator and I'm conversing. I'm, and I'm, a, I'm in a relationship. Says Reb Chaim, without that, you're not missing a detail of tefillah. You're not even missing a tnai of tefillah. It's not like a tnai of tefillah. To quote him, there's no chefts of tefillah. What do we mean there's no chefts of tefillah? There's no concept of davening. What is davening? What's the definition of the word davening? Saying words, that's not davening. That's saying words. What is davening? Davening is the mindful state, the conscious state that you're in a relationship. That's the essence of tefillah. The mindful state that right now you're in a different zone, you're in a different space, you're going into a deeper zone, into your soul, into your soul's relationship with God. He said, that's not a Pesach condition in tefillah, t'nai in tefillah. That is the definition. of it. Without that, what makes it tefillah? So standing for 32 minutes and just doing the whole Siddha Baal Peh from, uh, from the brachas until after Avinu Malkeinu, because you don't realize that it's not Rishon Shani Yom Kippur. So you go through the whole thing. Even if you do Slichus Liyam Sheni Vechamishi and all the Kriya Satars of Chalamoyed, because you know the whole Siddha Baal Peh. So he may say every word. And if he has a good Yerushalmi Havara, uh, Bitu, he could do it in the 12 and a half minutes. MS. It's it not do with tefillah. Why? It's words of davening. If I train a parrot to say words, you're going to say it's tefillah. That's not tefillah. The hefts of tefillah is, there's a relationship. That's all about Kavana Saleh. It's all about Kavana Saleh. That's already not a tnaid tefillah. That is tefillah. Then there's the tnaid pirushamilus. That's together. So you see here, the Alter Rebbe is saying, the Balatanya is saying, I just dibur, he says, that's just to be more of the Kavana. So therefore, the etzim nekud of tefillah is always machshava. It's intent. It's the inner state of where you are, where your mind is at the moment. V'hainu shatiyah kavanasei o machshavtoi dvuke bashem. Now this is not easy. That his kavana and his machshava should be dovuk, it should be cleaved, it should be connected. It should be one with God. Now, how do you even do that? What, you, you take glue, you take scotch tape. How do you make your kavana and your machshava dvuka bashem? <laughs> Nobody teaches this. How do you take your machshava and you make it dvuka bashem? You take crazy glue. Your kavana is dvuka bashem. And he explains...
See, Kavanasim Hashem Tzvik Hashem is not he saying words. It's not doing something. It's an all about an inner state of where your mind is, where your consciousness is. That means the person has to be able to tell himself right now, what's the greatest obstacle to this? What do you think is the greatest obstacle to this? What would you say? Ego. Person's huh? ego. Person's ego. Ego. And perhaps, to some, okay, distractions, of course. And perhaps the greatest obstacle, I would think, especially today's day, is that the person thinks he's not Davuk Basha. So what am I going to fool myself? I'm not, I'm, I'm completely separated. In fact, I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what you're talking about. What do I have with this? So the first step in everything of Kavanose, Machshav, Tidvuk, Hashem is that the person should stop thinking <laughs> the exact opposite, that he's not Davuk Basha. In other words, the person has to be able to allow himself to be able to tell himself that right now he's capable of an experience of complete intimacy. Dvekas means intimacy. Complete oneness with God. That's me, me, this guy who last night, I know who he is. From last night, from yesterday, from a day ago, from 20 years ago, besides what everybody told him about himself. This guy right now is capable of having Dveikas Bashem and his Kavan and his Machshava. And it's all an internal experience. That means that I'm capable right now that there's nothing else going on in my life besides the fact that I'm completely one with God. That is the truth of who I am right now at this moment. I, while you're doing it, there are going to be thoughts coming into you and say, Right? Who are you fooling? You know who you are. <laughs> so the person so so that thought itself you have to tell that thought okay welcome welcome but that thought doesn't define or take away or uh, destroy and obliterate a deeper truth and that is this moment is it makes a yid once came to the chayz of Leblin and he said that he has machshav azadas during davening when he davens he has alien thoughts so uh, the Chayz of Leblin said, no, that's not the problem. The problem is, by you, the tefillah is a machshav <laughs> You have thoughts. The davening is the alien thought. It's like the davening gets, yeah? Like they have a shul. Instead of asr, what does it say? Asr daba b'sha'as ha-tefillah, they have a sign, asr l'ispalo b'sha'as ha-dibur. You're not supposed to daven when you talk. Yeah. The davening is the machshav azar. Machshav azar is already a madrega. Machshav Zara means you're in a relationship, you're davening, and suddenly, boom, a scud missile comes into your mind. That's a Machshav Zara. The whole davening is a Machshav. So it's a Chlisht Angeheben. It's not he has Machshav Zaras. The, the davening is Zara. The Machshav So there's already a Yisoy there that he could say, say to himself that there is a component of his eye that's capable of complete mindful oneness with God, with Ein Soif, with infinity. Now when other machshavas come in, he has the ability to be able to put those machshavas in context and not allow them to undermine the fact that it doesn't take away from his reality being in complete oneness and not allowing that machshava to destroy everything and saying that the dveikas is gone. Very many people have a difficulty even believing and accepting that this is capable. This is possible. 
but it's, this is the truth. When a person goes into that state of mind, there is intimacy with God. So he says, Leo's Merkave love Baruch. To become a chariot for him. What does it mean a chariot? It's an interesting expression of Merkava. Merkava is today you would use a car as an v- example. Then they didn't have cars. That chariots, a wagon, a horse, what's supposed what's to be a chariot, I love his baruch. It's a vehicle. It's a very, very interesting word. It comes from the Medjus. There's no Metsias. You come into your car and you, you put on the motor. The car asks you, where do you want to go? Right? Or Waze. Let's do Waze. Waze asks you, where do you want to go? So you tell Waze, I want to go to Manhattan. So Waze says, you know, I'm in the mood of Borough Park. We're going to Borough Park. Unless you mamish have a good Waze, uh, a lucky Waze, or the car says, we're not going to Manhattan, we're going to Miami. Yeah? Unless you have an Alta Tranta, then the car might say, we're not going anywhere. We're staying here, that may happen. But if it's a functional car, you tell the car, I have to go. The car dinks, the car says yes, no. Why? The identity of the car is, it's just here as a vehicle. Now then they didn't have a car, they had a horse. Horse riding is a very, very, um, it's a very profound experience. Why? The horse takes you to places you could never go. And yet, if you have a relationship with your horse, the entire identity of the great horse is to take you where you want to go. It's going to take you to a place where you can't go. You can't run like the horse, and you don't have the strength of the horse. But the identity of the horse is the horse. Again, it depends on the mood of the horse. depends if you know how to deal with your horse. But the horse, and certainly the wagon, which is a daimim, its entire identity is, I want to be a vehicle for you. So he says, that's what tefillah is. Tefillah means that the person realizes not only that he's one, his entire identity essentially is, like he said in the beginning of the Maimed, the Neshama is a chelik elekami ma'al. So therefore, I am your vehicle in this world. I am an expression of you in this world. It's not two separate things. It's like you and the horse become completely one. This is a Merkava. It's not, you don't start fighting with your horse. Your horse says, we're going here. No, we're going here, we're going there. It's like one, you know, the great horseback riders... Uh, their relationship with the horse was legendary. You know, they had this deep, deep kinship with their horse because the horse identified its entire life as a vehicle for this person, to take the person to places where he can go. In a way, that's what the person is telling Hashem. I know that this world is a messy place. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the one. I'm the one. So it's almost a very, uh, it's a very deep idea that the neshama is part of God. And God, so to speak, separates Kivayochel, a piece of himself, and he sends that piece of himself into a very dark place, and he empowers it to go to places where Hashem himself is not going to be revealed, because he trusts that the person will be able to transform that place. So Tefillah, the person, redefines himself as a Merkava. What's a Merkava? A complete channel, a complete chariot, a complete vehicle, which represents how much dveikas there is. There's complete oneness. There's no real conflict between us. It's not like there's two agendas. In my deepest core, I am the Ein Saif. My entire identity is a channel for the Ein Saif. That's the Kavanas Halev of Tefillin. For this, you have to have a lot of serenity to be able to get through you know, all the emotional rubble and to go to that space. But that's the truest definition of man. And in that truest definition of man, there's always empowerment, there's no insecurity. When you come out from the state of a Merkava, you're not an insecure person. Why? Because the Bizda Ebrishta is When you're your own fed, 
then you can get very insecure. Shluchay Shaladim Kamaisa, it's a whole different experience. If I'm a Merkava to you, so then the world belongs to me because I'm part of you. So if the world belongs to you, the world belongs to me. And it's not egotistical, it's very humble. This is where absolute empowerment and absolute humility converge into one. The more humility, the more empowerment. The more empowerment, the more humility. Because Amar Kavah. That's the Kavonah Salevi is describing of Tefillah. Not to separate from his oneness and his unity. Now these are important words. You'll have in a lot of Svarim will say, don't become separated from the Rebbeinu Shalom, from Hashem. Here he says, He doesn't say, It's a very famous expression, don't get separated from Hashem. He says, don't get separated from Hashem's unity. You know the difference? Why do you say, don't get separated? Don't get separated from His unity, from His oneness. It's a difference from one extreme to another extreme. And it's important to understand this because this is a very common expression in When you say don't get separated from Hashem, what, do you, what does it sound like? What does it sound like? That it's possible. Number one, that it's possible. A. Number two, it's two separate things. God is here. God is Bashamayim Imal. Amala Oritz Vitachas. And you say, don't get separated. Don't get separated. First of all, you could get separated. <coughs> Second of all, it's two things, and therefore I'm telling you not to get separated. But then you ask yourself, I want to be separated. <laughs> I, want to be, I don't want to be codependent. <laughs> what does your therapist tell you? You have your own needs, your own identity, you need boundaries. I can't live my whole life for somebody else. I live my whole life for other people. Right? A lot of people experience this struggle. I live my whole life for other people. Enough! And religion makes them crazy because for them, religion is the ultimate living your life for somebody else. Whoever that somebody else is. Sometimes it's a community, sometimes it's the Shmigr, sometimes it's Shalom Bayi, sometimes it's Nachas for the Zayd and the Elta Zayd all the way back to, uh, to the Kedusha Slevi and to other Mauritian before the Chet. But here he's saying something else. Meaning, the state of reality is oneness. That oneness includes you. You're part of oneness. That's who you are. It's not God versus me. You know what do they have? Roe versus Wade, right? <laughs> God versus me. The question is who's going to win? So tefillah is kill yourself not to be separated from him. So, the state of reality is oneness. There's no two separate things. Ain't safe is one. You're part of that oneness. And therefore you also can't really be separated. If everything is one, you can't be separated. You could think you're separated. You can experience yourself a separation. That's why he puts in those words, it's me, Yichudai Vachdusi is Baruch. Now Yichudai Vachdusi are not the same thing, you know that, right? What's the difference between Yichudai and Achdusai? Yichudai is Yachid. Achdusai is Echot. What's the difference between Yachid and Echot? Yachid, when you say Yachid, what does a Ben Yachid mean? What does a Ben Yachid mean? The only one. What's Ben Echad? Yoim Echad? Yoim Sheni. Number one. Yachid is only one. Echad is number one. Yichudai Vachdusai is two states of consciousness. Yichudai is the way the breath is in the mouth before it came out. There's only one. Achdusai is after the breath came out. There's already a whole world. Here you have to understand Hashem Echad. Even in the state of fragmentation, there's still oneness. There's the state of Yichud, there's the state of Echot. 
Yichudis, there's a singular reality. There's no room for separation. You can't say, oh, you have a few kids. Who's going to get the Yerusha? Ben Yachid. There's no, there's no few kids. Yeah? When you have Baruch Hashem, 13 children, the question is, what's going to happen after? What type of machloikas? Who's going to be this? Who's going to be that? So you, now you have to create Echod. Achdus. You have to create achdus because this fragmentation. That's the chudei v'achdusa. It's two states of consciousness, but at least achdusa. So loyli parid machdusa means you can't get separated. It means you're not separated. It means it's not two separate things. So the consciousness of davening is that he doesn't want to separate from the state of oneness in which he is or she is essentially part of the answer. That's the truest definition of self, and that's all about machshava. That's all about. It's all an internal state of consciousness because physically by tefillah he's still in this world. After tefillah he's going to work or whatever he's doing after tefillah. But it's an inner kavana of how you see yourself. And how you see yourself, that's how you define who, what your reality is. Four lines from the top. Chavav, first column, yeah? So, he's describing the Yiddishkeit operates in three trends. Torah, Vedic, Belas, Chassadim. And they correspond to the three concepts of Barasariv, Yitzartiv, Asisiv, Machshava, Dibra, Maisa. Tfila is associated with Machshava, Kavanas, Halev, Ratzin, Halev, Reusa, Deliba, like Karbanas. It's all about the person's Kavana, not to be separated from his unity, not to be detached from his unity. So he says, And that's really the concept of All of is really not to be separated from his unity. That's the whole definition. So when you say surmeira, stay away from negativity. do good, which basically includes all of the Torah mitzvahs. What is the essence behind it? That you don't want to be detached from your this true state of oneness. A mitzvah, in other words, it's not stop in this is Vaita Khidish. I mentioned that Yichudai Vahdusa he doesn't just say don't be separated. Don't be separated from the unity. In other words, it's not you're not dealing with two separate things. And you're not even dealing with a possibility of real separation. So now he adds Vaita. It's not like why do you do the mitzvah? Azar, you do it. Why don't you do the Aveda? You don't do it. The word Aveda doesn't really mean sin. The word Aveda is like in Masech Shabbos, you have Maivir Dalud Amas Bershusarabim, right? Havara. What does it mean? To pass. To pass. To pass the ball. What, what are you passing? What's the Aveda? What are you passing? You're, passing, you're taking yourself out. Maivir You're taking yourself out from your unity with infinity. That's what an Aveda is. That's what an Aveir is. Huh? From the word Lahavir, like Maver, right? Maver. You pass a ball from Rishus HaYochit to Rishus HaRabba, or Maivet Dalaram is Rishus HaRabba. Aveda, you go out. What do you go out? You go out of a state of oneness. Separate. Separateness. Oneness from yourself, because you're part of that oneness. A mitzvah, is an opportunity to align yourself with that oneness. All mitzvahs are essentially to live that oneness, to breathe that oneness, to experience that oneness. 
So when the Torah speaks about it, it says, if you do the mitzvahs, you'll be blessed. If you don't do the mitzvahs, you'll do the avedis, you'll be cursed. Right? So very often, the way we understand it is, God has a cotton candy in one hand, an electric sword in another hand. If you do what I want, I'll throw cotton candy on you. If you don't do what I want, I'll throw a grenade. And remember, I'm stronger. <laughs> I'm stronger. I know you go to the gym. I know you're a muscular fellow. I know you know martial arts. But I'm bigger and stronger. I'm going to win. So that's a very, very primitive representation of Judaism. It's a very primitive representation. And it's very hard to be in love, to have a real relationship with it. At the end of the day, it's a very, like, the definition of God, the definition of mitzvahs, the definition of Torah. So just these words, is teaching something a little different. Not different, but deeper. And that is, it would be like telling somebody, you have this and this blood type. You have this and this type of body. If you're going to eat these foods, it's going to be negative for you. Why is it be negative for you? Not because I'm trying to punish you. But why? Because simply it's a betrayal of your system. A person is going to eat cotton for breakfast and cotton for lunch. Cotton is a wonderful thing, but not to eat. You're going to vomit. And if you're going to eat foods that are alien to your system, they betray your blood type, your physical chemistry, the makeup of your body. You're going to feel sick. You're going to feel depressed. You're going to feel heavy. Like everybody knows, with different yes, foods. Yeah. A cow not only could live on grass, a cow thrives on grass. The horse finishes its journey and you give it the grass and it dances. It's Purim and Sabchastayda for the horse. And the sheep... And the goat, now you'll give the person the same diet, the same menu. It's not going to work. He's going to throw up. Why? The reason is, it's a different makeup of a body. So is that called a punishment? It's basically, when the Torah says, the mitzvah, you'll get this. The Aveda, you'll get this. This, through the mitzvah, you're becoming aligned with your reality, which is oneness with Ein Saif. Through the Aveda, you're detaching yourself from your own reality. Whenever you detach yourself from your own reality, whenever you betray your own reality, ultimately you're fighting your own inner system. If you're fighting your own inner system, so then there's consequences to that emotionally, physically, certainly spiritually. And sometimes you don't see it physically, but spiritually there is a sensitivity of the soul. So therefore, he says, by davening, it's all about the kavana salev, the mindful state that a person goes into that place of oneness, of dveikas, of intimacy with Ein Saif, and therefore he said, defines himself as a Merkava, as a vehicle, as a channel for that oneness without separateness. What does that mean? That he doesn't want to separate from the unity. How is it going to express itself during the day? In Sur Meirav Asetav. Sur Meirav Asetav are the cautious components a person has to do in order to be able to maintain Oneness with one. The Hainu Kadaskafi, Sitra Achira, Azayoyer, Love Hashem, Azayoyer, Love Hashem, Al Nafsha. It's beautiful words. When you subdue the other side in you, 
you can experience the light of God on your soul. So it's not about breaking as much as it is about inviting and an opportunity to be able to experience Eir Hashem al nafshe. Again, to use the physical metaphor, your nutritionist will tell you, you can eat what you want, but don't expect that your body will be functioning even 50% of its capabilities because you're betraying it. You're giving it what it does not need. You're giving it poisonous elements. You're giving it poisonous elements. It's going to become frustrated. It's going to become paralyzed. It's going to become weak. That's what it is. So you'll say, but I want it. So that's the choice a person has to make between instinct and inner value. But when you subdue in yourself the sitra akhira, then it's an opportunity to be able to experience the light of Hashem on a person's soul. How do you think, this is how we, we can understand now. When you want to explain Yiddish characters when you grow up as a kid, how do you explain this, this concept? I think that children understand this much better than adults. I think children are much more in tune with these things than adults. Adults, it's a problem. They don't even believe me what I say. Yeah, it's ingrained. They don't. They don't believe me. It's a candy, right? But I think children are very, very sensitive to this. They get it right away. Children understand infinity. They understand einsoif. We think children don't understand. Children are brilliant. You think they break into your computer and iPhone because they're not brilliant? <laughs> Even little children, they're typhus things that we don't think they grasp. And we can convey to children this. We can speak to children about infinity, ain't safe. We can speak to children about the fact that everything is one, for real. That they're part of the oneness. And we have an opportunity to always be connected to that oneness. Or to betray ourselves and detach ourselves of that oneness. I think children are extremely sensitive to this. And they get it immediately. We create, this is part of it, we already believe that our children are not interested. So we say, if yet, we'll give you potato chips. And what's the reward? The reward is usually poisonous foods. It's another interesting thing. When you're growing up, you're trying to go out of these foods. So what do we do for two-year-olds and three-year-olds? You do it, we're going to give you, what's the schar? The schar is we're going to stuff your body with uh, MSG. <laughs> well, what should I get? Broccoli? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay, you don't want broccoli? It's those uh, barley Nuts. kernels. Nuts. No, you toast Healthy the broccoli in, in, in the oven and put a little sauce on it. It's delicious. See? It's about how to do it. 100%. Come to my house. I'll feed you. I'll feed my kids. Mm-hmm. You come first. Yeah. You're hard to break. Okay, I'm not here to change the whole system. But... Uh, but, but it's a very important idea. We assume, we assume, like the Christians, we assume people are guilty, original sin. Yeah, we assume you're guilty. How am I going to get you to do something good? Black and whites, cotton candy, slurpees. It's the other way around. It's the other way around. Really, if you can, don't assume separateness. Assume oneness. Assume that there's unity. A person wants to be one with one. The child wants to be one. Yes, we all have Yetzirahs. <coughs> so you have incentives, you have prizes. But that's not the essence of it. But when we raise that, the, the other generation said that we have to correct that head. I don't know how you were raised. You'll have to tell <laughs> me how you were raised. Okay, other Mauritian had a sin. 
and we have to fix the sin. But the point is to fix and align the reality with your true reality. The sin is not your true reality. But, but basically, you're already, you're already, you came into the world as a loser already. Because of that's a horrible mistake. Yeah. In that's <laughs> that's we, so that, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. How much, we, we're not guilty till proven innocent. It's innocent even after proven guilty. It's innocent even after proven guilty. There's always a wholesomeness there. But it's a mistake that a person comes in and they have to prove themselves. We look at a person, essentially you're bad, you're evil, you're a machriv, you're, you're, you want to destroy everything, and if you prove yourself to be a saint, we'll accept you as such. It's a mistake. <coughs> I, once saw, I once saw a story that there was a, there was a teacher who came into a... Uh, there was a classroom in a particular public school in New York. And there was one class, every teacher quit, like after a few weeks. It was just knowing, you know, the class of, uh, I don't know the right name for them, but uh, nobody can have a tzlacha with them. It was known one survived a week, one survived three weeks, one survived this. Uh, Purgatory. What? Yeah, Purgatory. yeah at, at some point everybody quit. So they always had to get new teachers. Anyway, it was one year, so a teacher came in, and... Uh, the principal walks a few days after and takes a look. Sees it's quiet in the classroom. The class was doing amazingly well. Amazingly well. It was incredible. And they figured out a very interesting thing. Basically, these were kids, quite with a low IQ, with a lot of issues, you know, learning issues and challenges, etc., whatever, all the issues. Every teacher would come into the principal. The principal would give a list. Yeah. And had also, well, they did all these evaluations on the kids. So at the, near the name of every kid, they had a number. Yeah. And the number demonstrated, in terms of IQ and other things, where the child was holding. They asked this teacher, when you got this list, what did you see the numbers? She said she thought the numbers were the booths. Everyone had a locker. Everyone had a locker. That was the number. Okay. That was one number. <coughs> then there was, I'm sorry, forget. <laughs> they had the numbers, and it was very, very high numbers. So she assumed. <laughs> she as, it had to do with lockers. She assumed it was IQ. So she went into the class, and she looked at them differently. She looked at them differently. She had a major hatzlach. That has a tremendous impact on people. People feel exactly what you're experiencing from them. When a child feels that you look at him or her as lowly, they will live up to that expectation. When they feel that you see them in a much higher light, they will live up to that expectation. A Rav once told me that parents came to him and said that uh, their child is a ganav. He's 11 years old and he steals. He pickpockets, he steals. And the father was crying. Anyway, the mother left for a few minutes. She had to attend to her needs. So the Rav was sitting there with the, with the father. So the father said, I didn't want to say it in front of my wife, but when this kid was three years old, I already predicted. I already said he's going to be a ganev and a gazlan and a terrorist and a mushchus. I saw it when he was three already. So the Rav tells him, I don't understand why you're crying. Such nachas. <laughs> he lived up to your expectations beautifully. Yeah. Proved you right. Proved you right. 
So, in other words, what I see in the child is what he's going to see in himself. If I see in him a piece of guilt, he'll see it in himself. If I see in him a piece of Ein Saif, he'll be able to see it in himself. But this is not about words, this is about an internal experience. What you see in others is what they could see in themselves. You can't expect your child to see in himself something that his Rebbe, his father, his mother, his Zayda, his Baba, and God doesn't see in him. So that's why I think that children actually pick this up instantaneously through words and much more than words, through nonverbal communication, through verbal communication and nonverbal communication. But you don't have to be afraid of telling your children the deepest truths. They know it anyway. They know it anyway. You don't have to dumb down ain't soy for children. You could dumb down on the iPhone for kids is good. You don't have to dumb down on infinity for kids. They get it, mamish. They'll look at you because they're not sure that you get it. <laughs> the look that they give you is because they don't know if you know what you're talking about. But they know exactly what you're talking about. The way they internalize things is not like how adults internalize things. They take it in. They know exactly what you're talking about. And you'll hear it from them seven, eight years later, and you'll see they know what they're talking about. Essentially, this all starts with Birchis HaShachar, meaning, we, what do we start saying? Baruch Hashem, Eleikeinu Melech What's Pshat? All the brachas, yeah? You start off, Baruch Atah Hashem, Eleikeinu Melech HaOilam, Hanoisim HaSech, Vipakeyach, Yivrimater HaSudam. He says, before you talk about the concept of the bracha, First, you talk about the very words. So, how do we touch it? We're thanking Hashem. Blessed are you, God, our God, the King of the world. It is a little strange to keep it like a chorus. If you're really talking to me, yeah? So you say, Blessed are you, Rabbi Jacobson, for you do this. Blessed are you. Just say what you want to say. Say once. Again and again and again, it's like almost like a, a scratched CD. Baruch Hashem Lein Melachel. You know the guys who go to the Amid for Berachas Hashacha. What's what's happening? So it needs his boyness. You have to understand what it means. He says as a ki anu mevakshin. We're asking for something. She yumshach pchines havaya lahavis haolamus shela yufsak chiyusam vekiyumam. The natural tendency of fire is that it doesn't want to stay down. It goes back. You need a wick to hold it down. You need logs to hold it down. God creating the world is It's not befitting. It's like the king, as we learned, who has his golden, infinite gold and silver, and he's talking about and investing in energy and collecting the mud. Yeah. We look at all the worlds, but all of the worlds, essentially, it doesn't express the divine. And because it doesn't capture the divine, so to invest divine energy in that is a chiddush. Teva ha'esh is listalik. So he says, you're asking. Baruch bracha is not thanks. Bracha comes from the word hamshacha, brecha. Drawing down. Baruch Atah Hashem Alekeinu Melech Ha'ilam V'li Yisprinus Alekeinu 
he should be a lekenu. What for the lekenu? Shani yiptelim elav. Pchinas merkav elav is barachat. Shani yikarei shmoya lekenu shu lekenu. Kamei shakasov lekay Avram shal shem shu pchinas merkav. V'loy li is davar v'yesh benifrad b'fnayatzma. What we're asking is, it should be Hashem. Should be baruch. It should be hamshacha v'Hashem lamata. To the point that you could say he's elekenu. Elekenu is a chiddush. He. He's attributed to you. He's my father, my mother, my brother, my God. Really, he's your God, our God. It's hard for us to grasp the Chiddush and the Hafla, but that's what he's trying to explain. The Chiddush, to be able to say the word, Ani Hashem Aleikeichem, should be Aleikeinu. In other words, the person shouldn't be a Yesh V'dava Nifrit B'fnei Rak melecha oilam, pirish mashu, mahava, machaya oilam, islias, yesh, vinifrit, bifneatsmoi, umipnehe yose melechma. I, the whole world seems separated, it's because he's a melech. The ain melech beloy am. There's no melech without a nation. Am miloshin umamus. Umamus means coals that are extinguished, blackened coals, dulled coals, umamus. Dvarim zadim v'nifradim. Shem yiladim harbe bonim. Ein nikra shmoi melech alayim. Kamei shakasav makam achem. Mashaykin Yisrael nikroyim bonim lamakam. Bra karad avua. Shaharegel ptele itzlorosh. Kamei shakasav makam achem. There's a difference between a child and a nation. You can't be a melech over your own children. It doesn't work. You're not, a father can't be called a king. Yeah, you'll say he's the king in the house. But it's a shame hamushal. The real concept of melucha can't be with a child. Why? Because you're lechatchila one. Ain melech beloy am am means somebody who's completely separate. Am miloshin umumus gecholim coals that are already dull. Their fire is already very dull. What's the idea? Ain melech beloy am that the am is completely separate from the king. The only way he could be a king is if there's a nation that coronates him as a king. For Hashem to be a melech. He needs a world that experiences itself as separate. When you experience yourself as separate, then there could be a relationship of Malchus. You can't have Malchus if it's something that's part of you. It's impossible. That's not Malchus. Malchus is always with something, a relationship with something that's distinct from you, that's separate, and it chooses to have a relationship with you. A child, you say, it's like the foot and the head. The son is the, the foot, kara. kara is the foot, the knee, the leg of the father. What's the relationship between a foot and a head? You don't call the head a king over the foot. It's one thing. It's not like there's a head and there's a foot, and the head rules over the foot. The foot and the head, it's all part of one entity, the central nervous system. It's one goof. It's one cohesive, integrated entity. So therefore, there's no separation between the two. Because there's no separation between the two, it's not malchus. So what's birchas hashacha? That the person wakes up in the morning and he says, Baruch atah Hashem, and the chiddush is that Hashem should be able to be attributed to Elikeinu. Sheikari Shmoy Aleinu, he's saying, that his name should be attributed to us like Elikei Avram. He's Avram's God. What does it mean he's Avram's God? What makes him Avram's God? Avram's God. That his definition becomes Kevayachal, that he belongs to Avram, Elikei Avram. Holding the age down. How does that happen? The person doesn't want to be separate. Because 
Since the nature of fire is to depart, the entire life and existence of the worlds, and the fact that they're created every moment from nothing to something, depends on the fact that we bring down on ourselves, so to speak. We connect to His godliness to become one with Him. The souls are the engine of the world, the pnimius of the elements. The axis, so to speak, upon which all the worlds revolve is the neshama, the neshamas. The pnimius, what do we mean the pnimius? The ultimate raison d'etre, the ultimate objective. The core, the engine, what keeps all the worlds going. That the malach should speak should speak about things that seem completely alien to the essence of the king. That the divine should become invested in creating all of the worlds which are completely not reflective of infinity. And therefore, you would think, as he said earlier, what does that depend on? The Melech HaOlam depends on the Elekeinu. The Neshamas are the Pnimis of the Olamas. They're at the core of all the worlds. It's like the axis upon which everything, everything revolves. That's what our soul, the, the, the soul is the interlacing link between heaven and earth. It's the eye of the storm. It's in the middle of everything. It's the, in the core of all the universes. Like that's where everything revolves around it. You may see a huge ball, but there's the axis upon which everything is happening. That's where everything is becoming connected. That's where everything is becoming aligned. That's where the whole world is finding its purpose in the consciousness in the consciousness of the soul. Kamay Mirazal, the Gemara says, Kashem she'yev shaloylam b'loy ruchus, kachiyev shaloylam b'loy Yisrael. Just as you can't have the world without ruchos, without the winds, you can't have the world without Yisrael. She'yisraelim kiyum umaymet kaloylamus. Neshamas Yisrael is the kiyum, it's the maimet that holds up all the worlds. Hu kamashal chayi haguf, shetloyim b'pnimis nefesh achiyonis. You look at a body, you see a body, you don't see anything else. But what happens if you snuff out the soul from the body? Everything is there, but it's a lifeless corpse. <coughs> the chayi haguf depends on the pnimis nefesh achiyonis, on the biological soul. Shem yesh eizim u'ure b'nafshe achiyonis, gam kol gufei napach l'chayla. And what happens if something happens in the soul? The whole body becomes sick. Either is a big functioning body. The answer is the nefesh is so powerful. One tenua, a chayli, once things happens to the nefesh achiyonis, and the whole kuf becomes a chayli. You sometimes have it in a person, something happens in a person. Not in the body even, not in the physical. Something changes in the emotion of a person. And the whole person becomes sick. All of life becomes worthless. Why? Because you affected something in the pnimius. You affected something in the pnimius. So there's a domino effect. Everything shuts down. Everything just shuts down. Externally, nothing happened. But in the pnimius, something happened. It transforms the entire reality of the person. So the maimed haguf is what's happening in the nefesh. The inner consciousness. That's the oilam, that's what he says. The oilam... No, because there's an element of the person that's also separate. It's not the neshama, it's a chelik alakami mal, but there's an element of the person, the nefesh abhamis and the guf, that's also separate. Of course, they're the union of malchus. Why do you say there's a lotion of bunim then? Of what? Right, that's that's what he's saying. So there's two elements. The neshama of the Jew is called bunim lamakim. 
like the foot and the head. It's one mitzias, it's not separate. And then there is the world, the aspect of the world that experiences itself completely as separate. And that's where there's malchus. Yeah. So there's aleikeinu, and there's melech ha'olam. Baruch Hashem, to be able to become aleikeinu, and then even furthermore melech ha'olam. That's what he says. L'chein oimnim baruch Hashem aleikeinu melech ha'olam. Pirush. Baruch does, is not thanks. Baruch means blessed. But what does the word baruch actually mean? In Mishnah you have hamavriches hagefen. You know what that is? You graft the vine. In other words, you take the branch and you communicate it and you create a new plant. You have in Hebrew, brecha, pool. That's basically you from the well, or from the brook, from the stream, you bring in, you gather the water. Your mamshach the water. So he says, Baruch, sheyivurach v'yumshach, liyashem havaya lahavas kolanim tzoya. There should be havaya, the creation of everything. Ayyidei sheyi alonu b'bchines aleikeinu. By being aleikeinu, by my complete unity with Hashem, v'azayiyam elecha'ilam. Every morning, because every day is a new decision on creation. However, here we don't have an example, a metaphor for this, to see how the world is constantly being recreated. Rak Ephes Katsayi, we have a little bit of a, a visual of it, and that is, Shabachal Yoy Meir Mechoshech Alayla, Ukubriyasi Shalaylam Bereshech Hashoycha Vahadah Nahoyra Vareyu Kamayash Meyayim. He says, when you look at the transition from night to day, you see something, a visual of that experience. It's like a newness. He says, every single day, just like when the creation happened, first was darkness, then was light, Gemara says. So he says, every night you're looking at darkness and then suddenly dawn breaks, sun rises. You have something of the experience of Iskachos. It's like Yesh It's not Mamish, you see Yesh I mean, the, the, the sun is rising again and again and again. But the point is, it's that experience, that, that feeling of an absolute transition. From one reality, completely a new reality. Suddenly, wow, a new day, a new energy. It's a feeling. Every day a person wakes up, it's a new energy. It's a, it's a nayatok. So he says, the truth is that it's taka. Mechadish bechol yoy It's a completely new reality. Everything is recreated. We always live with the past. It's very hard for us to experience a new day. Every day is a continuation of last day. And we get stuck there, what happened yesterday. But the person who's in tune with divine energy, every day is completely a new experience. A new life, a new relationship, a new experience. This is what's called a spiritual life. A spiritual life means that every day you're a new person. You're not the person who was there before. And your approach every day is with an absolute freshness. Because you're not living with toxicity and pressure and burdens and calculations of what happened last night and what happened yesterday. You show up to life as though you never saw it before. Basically every minute of the day. Every minute of the day, yeah. Every minute. You're living in the now. You show up to life as though it never happened before. I would show up here, I never saw anybody. Shalom Aleichem, Aleichem Shalom. You show up to your wife, it's the first date. It's the first date. 
You show up to your child, it's the first time I ever met this kid. Wow, he's cute. You show up. It's the first time you sh- you literally you literally show up to you show up to life. It's just happening right now. Now, what does this even mean? What do you mean? I have bills to pay. I have issues to deal with. This happened last night, and we had an argument last night, and this happened last night, and I'm not happy about this last night, and that. We got that. We know. <laughs> That's why we go. We just we we're busy continuing the same play. You know, it's just it's just a, a transcript playing itself out. But in the emesis, that the whole concept of night and day, why did Hashem make it this way? This whole galgal, you know, learning in the Rosh Hashanah, this whole, what's the point? It's fascinating how it works. The point is to be able to give us a visual of recreation every day. So what we could feel is we see the darkness, the light, the darkness, the light. That's, that's, and that's really the way Chassidus explains why we have to sleep for so many hours. It's one of the strange phenomena of creation. Adam la'amal yulad. We weren't created to sleep. We were created to work, to produce. So why did Hashem create a system that a person has to sleep eight hours? Yashanti azyanuachli. Seven hours. Six hours. Those who sleep less, but you need sleep. Those who are mahadah, 12 hours, 18 hours in yeshiva, whatever it is. So Shabbos is coming. Some people do 24 hours. I said last night that the definition of consciousness is the annoying time between naps, Right? <laughs> but why, why, why the need? Why the need for this? Why the need? What's the need for it? So you say biologically, that's what you need. I understand biologically, but what's the spiritual reason that the biology was created that way? And one of the answers is in order to be, give the person the gift of his chashos, of renewal. Imagine God would make that we don't need sleep. Imagine twenty-four hours. Right? Workaholics would love it. 24 hours, you don't need sleep. But what would life look like? Series treadmill. It would be one endless, continuous series. That's what life would look like. He wanted it should be able to be the concept of Sanayatag. It's a new day. Ischachos. To be able to say, I'm showing up new today. So therefore, the first thing you do is Brechasashacha. So let's discuss creation. Creation is unnatural. Why is it unnatural? It's not a lakus. It doesn't say lakus, but doesn't express the truth of elikus. So you need to hold down the fire. That's the chiddush of elikenu. So baruch atar should be baruch and nimshich. That the person creates the wick and the wood by by telling God, I'll be in a relationship with you. He says, for that it's worth it. I'll be in a relationship with you. Says, oh, for this it's worth it. For this I'll do stupid things. <laughs> I'll make clown tricks. You want clown tricks? I'll make clown tricks. Look, this is his circus. <laughs> he makes better clown tricks than I do, than the Ringling Brothers. But it's clown tricks. What do I mean clown tricks? It's miladad yoyta. Yeah? But what do you do when your child, you want to entertain your kid? You make clay, you go like this, right? So that's what God does. He goes like this. It's called creating the world. That's basically what it is. It's like this. <laughs> the kids get excited. Why? I want to spend time with you. I want to spend time with you. But that's the Chiddush of Elikeinu. 
Alakainu means it's not just if I call you, I say, you're my wife, you're my husband. It works both ways. That the person feels, yeah, I'm yours, you're mine, and you're ready to be defined that way. Hashem, it's not only Alakay Avram, Avram decided he's his God. God decided that he's Avram's God. I belong to you. That's the greatest excitement about Yiddishkeit. That God, so to speak, in the morning, he's like, wow, you really want to spend time with me? Okay, I'll do all my clown tricks. I'm here, I'm here. What do you need? You need oxygen, you need sunlight, you need botany, and the ganze Welt geht sich. That's a lekeno. Ah, he looks and he says, sees the whole world is separate. So he continued, Melech He wants it to be Malchus. Malchus is a relationship. A relationship is only with somebody who's separate. So there's the element of separateness. Now you get into the details of the clown tricks. That's already the details. But the Nekud is the Baruch HaTashem Alekeinu Malachai. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.